The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. I have uh, been in the uh, Daily Dose devotionals that we distribute uh, five days a week. Been working through the book of Psalms. I wrote this series actually back in 2019. Uh, one for every psalm. And uh, sometimes that's easy to do if it's a short psalm. If they're longer psalms, it's much more difficult to do when you're writing one four to five hundred word devotional, like a blog, basically, on the psalms. And uh, so that's out there right now, by the way, if you've never gotten my daily devotionals, you can. That's just called the daily dose. The easiest way is just text the word dose, literally, D O S E. That's all you're sending. That's your message. Text the word dose to 66. 866 and bada bing, bada boom, we'll get you on the list. But the thing about spending uh, 150 days, literally one per day, uh, over 100 days in the, in the Psalms is, is every, every once in a while I would catch myself thinking when it was a Psalm that we know was written by David. I'm like, uh, either he is a, uh, a really angry, vitriolic guy or uh, a crybaby whiner. And sometimes I would be like, wow, he, he really kind of pours it all out, which once you really become a student of the Psalms, you understand what a gift that is to us to be able to look at, uh, like, where are the where are the markers on the highway? How far and how wide can you go in your relationship with the Lord? And the things that you're willing to say to him or, or quote unquote, complain about, uh, or if you want to be more theologically accurate, to lament about. Uh, so today on Theology Thursday, very, very important topic, and, and we'll put this the link up for the blog post today from our friend uh, Dr. Bruce Meyer, is uh, Lament Psalms for Heavy Hearts. And that's going to be all of us sooner or later, uh, more often than not, unfortunately, in a world, this is right from the blog, where brokenness is the norm, believers, this is Romans 8, often find themselves in circumstances, listen very carefully now, either self-inflicted meaning you're the one that did it, you dug the hole, either self-inflicted or circumstantially driven. You had nothing to do with it. That elicit great sadness or hardship, just as non-Christians do. We all kind of go through the ringer there. Contrary to what some may teach, God does not tell us to keep a stiff upper lip and wait out the storm as if sorrow or the expression of pain is inherently sinful. Instead, God provides us with biblical teachings designed not only to help us navigate the hardship, but also to deal with our own sorrow in the middle of the pain. God is not some distant uh, um, old man in a white robe who doesn't really want to hear it from you. Uh, he is intimately and uh, unexhaustively interested in your life and in mine. And this is a really important topic, especially if you're going through something difficult or know somebody that is. Uh, and Bruce, it's great to have you back. Good to see you. Thanks for uh, your time and leading us on this. This is an important topic. And uh, it, it, how did this kind of become an issue? For, there's your life as a seminarian and, and your life as a as an academic Christian and all of that. But then there's just Bruce Meyer, follower of Jesus Christ. So so how did kind of lament become something that was on your radar screen that you now teach about? 
Well, uh, personally, all of us have gone through hardships. And I remember once going through a very difficult hardship in my life, and I wasn't directed this way. Mm. It was somebody just told me, forget about it and move on. Well, (laughs) that's not very helpful. How do you forget about something that is, you know, cutting you to the bone with rawness? So Mm. uh, in counseling myself, I am frequently here with the Psalms because I'm dealing with people who have been through some hardship of some kind. Most often for me, it's been uh, working with people who have been through some kind of abuse and they just don't know what to do with the pain in their soul. And just talking about it doesn't resolve that pain. There's gotta be truth that guides them back to their relationship with the Lord and how to think about their relationship with the Lord and how to think even about their relationship to their circumstances in the world around them. So the Psalms give us all of that great material. I mentioned in the article that it is about one third. Now you may say, well, that's not much, but compared to Hmm. all the other types of Psalms, it is the bulk of the material of the Psalms are laments. And so God is just teaching us, here's what you do with that. Yeah. And and that's, uh, you know, oftentimes I think people think of the Psalms and they think about praise and worship. And certainly that's uh, Mm -hmm. front and center there. But uh, oftentimes I think we we realize that in the moment when you're reading through the Psalms or experiencing a Psalm, you're like, wow, this is pretty heavy. But to know that it's uh, fully one third of all the Psalms uh, should tell us something about why it's there. So so what do we learn about? And before we get into more specifics, Bruce, what do we learn about the Lord just from the very fact that it does make up such a significant portion of the book of Psalms? Well, I think first and foremost is he's not uh, cold or indifferent mm-hmm. towards our suffering. He actually gives us the words to speak back to him about that suffering. And I, I, I was teaching a doctoral course a number of years ago, and I had a pastor who said, I can't say those words to God. And I said, why not? (laughs) He gives them to us to speak to him. Right. And he has breathed them out, inspired those words through the human authors to speak back to him. So he already knows we're feeling this way. And he's not afraid to admit to us that sometimes we're going to feel this way about him or about our circumstances. And so it's not sinful to have these feelings, especially emotions are are what we're going to naturally yeah. feel in response to the circumstances around us. But he's not expecting us to somehow just bury those feelings mm-hmm. and move on without actually dealing with those feelings. So it's an opportunity for growth for us. It's a chance for us to come to God expecting him to do something about them. So uh, they're a wonderful gift to us. And and you mentioned David being some of the raw feelings that mm-hmm. he expresses. Well, he's a man of war. I think he saw things that you and I, oh, man. I would hope we'll never be yeah. able to see or yeah. never have to see. Uh, but what else is he supposed to do with those things mm-hmm. that he had seen that feel so raw? And you were right. Some of it's anger. Yeah. There are imprecations, what we call imprecatory prayers, in some of these lament psalms as well. So he's saying, come to me with those. Yeah, and I, I can do something with them. And so, Yeah, something you mentioned just a minute ago, I wrote it down when that gentleman said, I, I can't say that. And reminding him that all, all scripture is God breathed what David, what David said, as uncomfortable as it may be for us, originated with the heart and mind of God. 
right? <laughs> so, so we say, hey, Bruce, we need to uh, pray God's word back to him. Uh, you're right. And that would include Psalms of Lament. Right. This is Steve Noble and Bruce Meyer. We'll be right back. You ever walk into church on Sundays and kind of play country club Christianity? Hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, I'm too blessed to be depressed. How are you doing? Oh, I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And we all act like everything's going so well. Uh, we have a little, uh, just a little square, like something you'd put on your bookcase at our house. It might be six inches wide. It's not very big. And it says, it's just a simple little thing. It just says, as far as anybody knows, we're a nice, normal family. Uh, which, of course, <laughs> for all of us, and I would imagine uh, for you as well, Bruce, we're talking to Bruce Meyer from BJU Seminary today, of course, on Theology Thursday. Uh, I think that that particular little plaque on anybody's bookcase is uh, tongue in cheek, a joke. I don't, I don't know what a nice, normal family is. But one of the things that I think we struggle with is uh, really kind of bearing our souls uh, to one another and people. How are you doing? Uh, not very well. Because I think we worry about, listen, we're in America, hashtag America, right? So you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you you fight your way through it. Listen, we're in a generation now, you know this as somebody that's been around counseling for, for as long as you have, Bruce. Uh, we look at the generation now coming out to this, the seminary or down the age range a little bit at uh, Bob Jones University. I look at the students I have. I look at our own four kids who are 28 down to 18. And uh, their generation to to people our age seems, uh, I'll just say it, they seem kind of wimpy. And then my, like, I tell them all the time, you guys should be really thanking the Lord that my parents weren't your parents. Because (laughs) because my dad was 14 when Pearl Harbor happened. And uh, if you said, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm struggling, he would just like, suck it up, buttercup, get back to work. And next week, you'll be fine. Throw a little dirt on it. Uh, and so I think we have a this this hesitancy to lament and to kind of break down and, and dare I say, complain. So before we look at some specific examples, and thank you again so much for this topic today. And by the way, uh, Bruce wrote a great little blog post on this, Lament Psalms for Heavy Hearts. It's very easy to read. It's not very long. I've got the links up on Facebook Live and uh, rumble as well. But if you just want me to email you a copy, I'd be happy to, to, to do that. Just email me, Steve at the Steve Noble show.com. I'll send you it right, right over, uh, Steve at the Steve Noble show.com. I think it would be helpful, Bruce, to make sure we all understand, uh, what does the word lament mean, uh, ultimately so that we know what we're working with here. Well, when you look at the scriptures, you'll see lament involves sadness. So there's always grief. And the book of Lamentations is probably the best example of that, because Jeremiah is really lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem and all of Judah and his own people. And you read Lamentations, you'll, boy, the imagery that he (laughs) presents there is, it's fierce. And one that sticks out in my mind in chapter three is he says, you've caused me to chew on gravel, Mm, which, boy, the imagery there, just put gravel in your mouth and start chewing on it. There's pain, there's sorrow, there's sadness, there's anger. Um, and, And we could boil all that down into the scriptures, and I mentioned this in the article, that there are several places where the word complaint is just used. I'm complaining. And it's not complaining for the sake of complaining. I'm not complaining to all my friends, a griping session. It is complaining to the Lord about my circumstances because I'm looking to him to solve them. And it's really complaint 
couched in the the attitude or the 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 context of faith. I'm asking God to do something about my circumstances, whether it's sadness, anger, grief, loss, whatever it is. I'm looking to God for a solution. Do you think perhaps a lot of us, Bruce, uh, get it completely backwards? We're quick to complain to our friends or anybody will listen. Right. The culture is kind of like, get it off your chest, blah, 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 blah. Uh, versus just go, don't complain to everybody else. Just complain to the Lord. But I think a lot of us are probably uncomfortable with the word complaining with respect to our right. relationship with our Heavenly Father. Well, we live very much in a grievance-based mm. society. So yeah. everybody is, they've got their own grievance about everything Everybody's in the a world. Karen, right. Yeah, when so much of this isn't about just a grievance, it, it is how does God expect me to process what I've been through and look for biblical solutions that are mostly aimed at my own heart and how I should be processing what's going on out here rather than just solving what's going on out here. Because we could find always a grievance in this world, but God says, what about you? What needs to change in your heart and life about the circumstances that are in your life? Rather than just viewing all these grievances as a, a means to keep a chip on my shoulder yeah. that I can be angry about right. all the time. So it's about changing us rather than changing all of this. Yeah, because I'll get to that. Is there is there a point where lamenting becomes problematic when we should be stopping it, moving beyond that? We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but again, like Bruce said in the first segment, and it's in the blog post today, we're talking about things that are circumstantially driven, somebody else, some other circumstance. You didn't do this to yourself, but we're also talking about things that are self-inflicted. So this is a very uh, well-rounded conversation here uh, with our troubles and trials and tribulations and, and whether it was somebody else or you did it to yourself. Uh, one part I wanted to make sure we talk about, there's kind of five elements you mentioned in the blog today, uh, the five elements of a lament psalm so that we kind of start to see a pattern here. Yeah, and most of the, the laments that you see, you'll see those five elements in there. The only exception probably is Psalm 88, so keep that in mind. Okay. But um, you start looking at the lament psalms, you're going to see those five elements. Now, they're scattered. They're not always in a nice mm -hmm. order. And each of those elements will be scattered within the uh, psalm as well. So it, it's not always easy to pick those out and organize them. Yeah. But a, a good student of the scriptures could take all of those elements and see them and then organize them. But um, you'll see an address to God. So almost immediately it's, oh, Lord, why, yeah. why is this happening? Where are you? Why aren't you listening? So you'll see those elements, but the address, the actual complaint itself, then there is some kind of a vow of praise, a vow of trust, and all those elements working together then to, to, to unleash what's going on in my heart and to share that with the Lord. And then a petition for help. How would you help me in this, mm -hmm. Lord? So um, that's really where the faith and the trust element comes into play that you're seeing. Yeah, which, which when you're in that petition for help, I, I, part of that could just be repentance. Again, if this yes. is self-inflicted, uh, Lord, help, help me. I mean, how many times I said, okay, here I am, Lord. I'm, here I am, a dog returning to my vomit. How many times have I, uh, quote unquote, repented of this particular challenge in my life? <clears throat> or, or just help me to, to repent well. Help me to, to put the shovel down and quit digging this hole. I mean, I think that's important that we realize it's okay in a lament 
to actually ask for the Lord to help you get out of the pit that you're in, either by your own yes. devices or somebody else. And it may not be repentance about sin. Right. It may be repentance about how I'm thinking about God or mm. about my circumstances. Why I'm did changing my mind yeah. about all of these things that are getting in the way of me progressing, moving forward in my Christian life. Yeah, and I think that, and this is a really powerful line that's in the blog post today. The links are up at Facebook Live and Rumble. What is significant about the laments is they move from complaint, pain, sorrow, or even accusation to faith in the God who acts in our behalf. Uh, let me pause there on the word accusation. <laughs> Just think about that for a second, because uh, I want to. I'm going to talk about that when we come back, Bruce. After the break, we're up against the commercial break. But accusation, are you going to wag your finger at the Lord? Did David, and when David wagged his finger, if that's God breathed, what do you do with that? Which we touched on earlier, but we'll talk about that accusation. And then we're going to talk about two great examples, Psalm 8, uh, 13, and Bruce mentioned Psalm 88. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you. Another wonderful Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary. Dr. Bruce Meyer back in the house today as we're working through this whole uh, understanding of lament, lament psalms for the for heavy hearts and a, and a full, about a third of the psalms are lament, uh, which are an address to God, a complaint or a lament, a petition for help, a vow of trust and a vow of praise. These are pouring your uh, your thoughts and your feelings out to the Lord. And it's not always pretty. If When you read through the Psalms, sometimes you wonder about the, uh, about the uh, frankness of David in particular to say some of the things he says to the Lord. Uh, but as Bruce pointed out in the very first segment, uh, all those things are God-breathed. So we talk about, hey, we should be praying the, the word back to the Lord. Uh, yes, and the word would include these Psalms, including the ones of lament that David uh, penned that are not very easy to read. You're just sitting there going, boy, this guy's got a lot of nerve. Uh, yeah, but remember the, the origin of that was God himself. So you're just, you're still uh, reading back to the Lord, his word. It's just that you have to really understand what's going on here. So again, Bruce, thanks so much for being with us today. It's such a great subject. My pleasure, Steve, to be with you always. And then uh, uh, two Psalms kind of come to mind as you, as you put this in the blog post today. Let's start with Psalm 13. It's a, it's a short one, uh, but there's a lot of meat there. Correct. I like it because it is short. It helps us move to that answer fairly quickly. But emotionally, it may be intellectually, I'm not going to move there necessarily as quickly as David did. And I doubt that he did. I think he probably worked through this a yeah. lot, but this is the reflection of that. But I like really two issues here. He's wondering where God is and why he's not listening. He's also trying to, it seems when you look at verse two, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Those are synonymous parallel statements, but they help us understand he's working through this, trying to figure this out. He's got a lot of sorrow and he just doesn't know what to do with it. So sometimes we can feel lost in trying to figure all this out. And yet we can take that to God and say, how long, Lord, before you start to make some sense of this in my own life? And for David, then he moves right to, I know you're with me because you've been with me in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I may feel like you're not with me now, but I know you are. That's the theology overpowering the emotion yeah. that I feel in my life. 
Yeah, and his opening salvo uh, uh, is not subtle. <laughs> I mean, no. How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I mean, this right. is pretty strong language, and, and again, originating through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, w- with the heart of God Himself. And 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 are there any warnings there, Bruce? In terms of, is there a line we can cross with the, with how frank we are with our Maker? If there is one, he certainly doesn't point it out to us in any of the lament psalms, because that's why I included 88 in this, because it's pretty strong wording. So what I like to remind people is Psalm 139 is a reminder to us that God knows what we're feeling and what we're thinking. In fact, in Psalm 139, he says, you know my thoughts afar off. And that's a little bit of a debatable statement there. What does he mean by that? Does that mean that God is distant, far off from us? I don't think so. I think what he is intending us to understand there is even before I have these thoughts, God already knows them. Mm -hmm. And that would go for our feelings as well. So I don't, it's not doing me any good to hide from God. You know, I've got these feelings. Well, I don't want to tell him about those. I'll just keep those to myself. He already knows them. So it's not something that I can hide from him. And so I might as well share them with him because in sharing those with him, I'm expecting him to do something about them. And it may not be immediately, but he is ultimately going to do something about them. So that's why I like those words. Yeah. So it's, it's so powerful. And again, he's, 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 I don't mind using the word demanding here. I mean, verse three, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death Uh, and and consider and answer me. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. And and often when you were just unpacking that, Bruce, I was thinking uh, in our relations with one another, I often tell people, hey, have you ever said something terrible to something, somebody else and you hurt their feelings, whatever. And then all of a sudden you said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. You have to remember that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. So you, you mean right. everything you said. Uh, but with the Lord, you said they go out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm, God already knows what's in your heart, which is well, why there's would... such an open invitation here. Just correct. It's there anyway. Just spit it out. I think if we look at all the wisdom literature, Job would give us where <laughs> the line is. And that is. I cannot demand an answer from God without recognizing his sovereignty. So I can ask, I can even come to these, you know, what sound like commands, God do this, but I've still got to give way to his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And that's where the line would be in my mind, because that's where Job crossed the line. He was justifying himself, but throwing God under the bus. (laughs) And and that that's, I can't cross that line. Right. Yeah. But I can come to God and say, Lord, I really need this from you. And even if I don't get it, I'm going to trust you. Yeah. And then Job was there as well, though he slayed me yet while I trust in him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then with this one, again, as as we lament over these things, Bruce, from a counseling perspective, there, there's our relationship with the Lord, but but what kind of impact does it have on us just to kind of work through this stuff with our Heavenly Father verbally, like out loud? Uh, what's what's the benefit to us to actually do this just from like a counseling perspective if somebody's really uh, down in a pit? I think that's a very good question because what it does in vocalizing that, it helps me recognize here's what I'm feeling. And here's what I'm needing from the Lord to help me with those feelings. 
Um, and I can't correct feelings, but I can correct my thinking. That's where this psalm goes. He's working towards a good theology that helps him understand who God is, who his circumstances are, which ultimately will help then in changing the feelings that he has about God and about the, the circumstances that he's facing. And I like that because he says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what helps us then come back to what do I need to recognize about any of this and my circumstances that will help adjust my thinking, which then ultimately will affect my feelings. And this is, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the last segment. This is, we should never look at this as a one and done. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do no. a really awesome lament here. Right. And then I'll wave the magic wand and everything will yep. be fine. <clears throat> so everything's good. Right, and that's right, not yeah. the way this works. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, let's start on this next one. You mentioned this earlier. Uh, Psalm 88, which you uh, described as the darkest of psalms, a poem with very little expressed hope. So now we're now we're way in the dark here uh, with Psalm 88. So let's let's start let's start unpacking that one. <laughs> well, there are so many terms here that the psalmist uses, and this is not David. This is now uh, one of the sons of Korah, and the sons of Korah were um, that um, segment of Israel that were in charge of worship, which strikes me as, wow, so this is a guy who typically is leading Israel in worship, and now <laughs> he's expressing this kind of darkness. And yeah. we don't know the circumstances here, but it would seem that whatever has happened, it is so severe. He just feels like God has subjected him to the worst of suffering. And you'll see it starting in, in verse three, my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol, which is the grave or the, the place of departed spirits, which that can include hell. Sure. So, yep. um, you know, he's, he's really laying it out there. I'm counted as those that go down to the pit, a man who has no strength, like one who is loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. So he's piling up term oh, after man. term after term that is just dark and heavy. In fact, if you continue reading here, it's like waves of anguish, wave of pain that keep washing over him. And he calls them your waves. Right. So they're coming from God. He's not saying, you know, this is something that, okay, my neighbor has done or, or this, this, these people who have attacked Israel, it's coming from God. And so he's not mincing words with God, but he's still looking for answers because otherwise he wouldn't come to God with it. Right. He would just wallow in this sorrow and sadness and, and say, well, this is life. And so I've just <laughs> got to find a way out of it. Get over nope. it. Right. He's coming to God. Yeah. And that's a, that, to, the, to your point, verse six, you being God, you have put me yeah. in the depths of the pit. You, yes. you did this. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. This is verse eight. I am shut in so I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do you do the departed rise up to praise you? I mean, he's, he's just one thing after another. <clears throat> and, and so how do we how do we kind of appropriate this? And this is obviously very dark. How do we kind of appropriate this into our own lives? And especially for people listening to Bruce that are just really in perhaps the worst place they've ever been in in their lives. Well, one, God says, bring that to me. Mm. And uh, you see that in verses one and two. That's the, about the only glimpse of hope that you see in this entire psalm is where he is at least addressing God. And he is saying, here's, here's my troubles. So God is willing to listen to those troubles 
And I think in bringing it to him, we're expecting him then to do something yeah. about it. Uh, so that's really where the hope starts to shine, even in this very dark psalm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that in the last segment of the show, where the hope starts to shine. Uh, when do you stop lamenting? And what does that look like? How do you move forward? And by the way, Psalm 88 doesn't exactly end on some big upswing. Here's the last verse. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. The end. We'll be right back. Woke up this morning And I heard the news I know the pain of a heart there you go right there i know the pain of a heartbreak and that's that song it's a it's a lament kind of song that's why i put it in there because life isn't always rosy and what do you do when it's not going your way either uh because of uh, circumstances you have nothing to do with or you're the one that uh, lit the fuse and set the bomb off and and destroyed some part of your life uh what do you do with all that which is why we're talking about the lament today lament psalms for heavy hearts with our good friend uh, dr bruce meyer and again bruce thank you so much for leading us through this conversation and uh, kind of turn the corner here as we as we finish up today uh w- what does it look like like how long do we lament how do you know when you should maybe start turning a corner uh is there a time when it's like okay now now i gotta i kind of gotta stop this and i need to try to move forward how do we kind of wrestle with that the season of lament which we're all agreeing uh is is a huge blessing but it, it probably shouldn't last for the rest of your life well i would love to turn to a passage of scripture that just says okay exactly six months to the day and then you're <laughs> done with lament there is no such passage. Mm, So I think God is working in our heart in very individual ways. I can say this though, that there has to be some time in there where my heart starts to move towards rejoicing in God, Mm. even though there's sadness in my heart. And I can't answer when that is, but if I'm living in lament perpetually, then I'm probably not rejoicing. And God calls us to rejoice regardless of our circumstances, Philippians chapter four, verses seven and following, but I'm to rejoice in the Lord. So, okay, the day of my mom's death, because she died in 2017 with cancer, Mm -hmm. I could still say, thank you, Lord, because you sustained her through that hardship you gave her strength and now you've given her peace and I can Mm. rejoice in that even Mm -hmm. though my heart is breaking with sadness. So I tell people, you may be feeling sadness, but you still have to find a a way to rejoice in the Lord in that. And that's when I can come to Psalm 55, for instance, I mentioned, I think this is a good counterpart to Psalm 88. And that is especially verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Mm -hmm. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So there's this time where I'm lamenting, but I can still rejoice in God because he's the one that never changes. Um, Circumstances change. I change. People change, but God never changes. So there has to be some place in there where I'm starting to recognize, even though I'm sad, I can rejoice in God. And that's what helps me move then back to a position of happiness where I'm not just caught in this web of uh, of despair and sadness all the time. Yeah, so important. And, and that's why I wrote down what you mentioned in the last segment. To These things also help. Uh, God uses these things to loosen our grip on life uh, because we weren't ultimately designed for this. We were designed for 
uh, a perfect relationship mm-hmm. with him, which is going to be in heaven, and then eventually heaven comes here. But uh, that that's such an important point to remember that if everything was rosy all the time, and I think that's why people, oh, I'm not ready to die. I don't want to die. There's so many things here. Mm. Once you get to the other side, I, like I think Lazarus probably got the short end of the stick. <laughs> Yeah, like, I always wonder about that. Uh, yeah, like over the next meal with Jesus, he's like, okay, can yeah. I talk to you over here in the corner for yeah. a second? Well, what did you have to do this, this for? This, I was quite happy where I was. <laughs> this yeah, place yeah. stinks, and you yes. brought me back, so we need to have yep. a little conversation. What about uh, when it's somebody else, Bruce? I, I, I don't want to miss this because I know I've done this when I look at somebody else, and they're in lament, and they're grieving, and they're struggling, and they're in a bad place. And, and at some point, six months, 12 months, whatever it is later, I'm like, okay, time to move on. Uh, speak to us from that kind of counselor's perspective. Okay. So, we're, so we're careful not to put something on yeah. somebody that we shouldn't. You mentioned, I don't know if it was our private discussion or what, but Romans 8.28, I hardly ever, yeah. if ever, use Romans 8.28 with somebody because that's a club that clobbers them upside the head and it hurts even more. I'll use 29 and 30. And that Mm -hmm. is, here's the good that God is doing in us. He's using hardship to conform us to the image of Christ. So that's the the grand purpose that God has in our suffering. So I think Romans 12 is more helpful for us when it comes to how to deal with others. And that is weep with those who are weeping. Mm -hmm. So I can come alongside somebody and Paul doesn't tell us Tell them to turn that frown upside down, to, to quote, you know, the, the old adage from yes. uh, the Toys R Us. Um, that's not our role. Our role is to give them comfort. And God will work. And when they start to ask me, okay, what do you suppose God is doing through this? That's when I'll say, okay, it's probably time now to start considering what is God doing through this? Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll talk about that next week <laughs> yeah. rather than this week. Um, but it, I move very carefully from the lamenting to the praise. But I do tell them it's time to start looking for how can God use this in my life now to bring joy to my life and joy to the others? Comfort, okay, Second Corinthians chapter 1. Mm. But I'm very slow to move to that. Uh, it's when they're ready and they start asking questions about that. What if they never ask questions about it? Well, then I might start to say, you know, I've noticed in your life that you're you're kind of caught in this web of lament. Would you like to start talking now about how we can praise the Lord mm. even through this situation? And they might balk at that at first, but we've got to move sometime to that, or they'll end up in self-pity. They'll end up in this spiral of despair that just takes them down and down and down deeper and deeper into despair. Is is there there ever a time, uh, my parents would have called it uh, tough love. Is there ever a time for that? I think so. Um, We have to be very wise when Mm -hmm. we move to that position though. So what I would do rather than just hitting them bold face with it. You know, this week we're going to do the tough tough love thing. (laughs) I think what we would say is, you know, I think we need to start considering when we move away from some of this sorrow to what do you suppose God is doing in this? And we approach it that way. So we kind of prepare them, prepare the heart for that discussion rather than just moving to it bluntly today or tomorrow. Um, We start talking about talking about it. Yeah, it's not dissimilar from how evangelism actually works in our lives as opposed to 
uh, the Romans road in three minutes or less, and, and you're just right. walking down the street converting people right and left. That that you it, it, it's a it's a it's a relationship. There's time there. There's sensitivity. There's discernment and wisdom, and and, and I think yeah. nine times out of ten we need to be slow to speak. And I think we could say we're prepping the soil to mm -hmm. receive those seeds. Just little things here and there, mm -hmm. asking questions, but not not trying to push somebody else forward. And, and I think we have, and right. everybody's different. It's not, there's not a one size fits all answer here. And one of my questions that I frequently ask is, what do you suppose God wants us to be thinking about this? And they'll mm. look at me like, well, you're the counselor, you tell me. <laughs> but in, in asking that question, they're already starting to think about how does God want me to process this? How does he want me to think about yeah. this? Rather than just hitting them blunt face with it. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, it, Especially if you if you know yourself to be an impatient person, uh, mm -hmm. you need to be uh, painfully aware of that. that right. That, and, and if you're and men are that way. Right. So we're like, we, OK, we, we want to move to the solutions to this. Hey, uh, summer's over. Fall is here. Trying to try to move on. Uh, yeah. It's not that easy. I mean, no. I mean, I my two sisters with respect to both my parents uh, can still really get uh, upset and grieve. And and I don't. I mean, a little bit here and there, but not like that. And, and, and sometimes I, I have to restrain my fleshly desire to go, huh, come I mean, come on, that was three years ago. Whatever. Yeah. I have to be, I think we have to be really we're careful. We're overlooking what God wants to accomplish through that hardship. Oh, yeah, them. that. So oh, want to rush them along. You bring that, you bring him into it, Bruce. See there, all yeah. I was thinking yeah. about is my thoughts as opposed to what's the Lord doing. So what I tend to do is tell folks the end goals are non-negotiable, mm. but the pace at which we get there is kind of up to you. So we'll move at your pace. Yeah, and I think that's uh, kind. Mm. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance in the right. first place. Right. Uh, and I think that's always, uh, again, I, to go back to our parents' generation, you know, put the shoe on the other foot. And, and yes, there's a time when I want people to challenge me a little bit. But if you err on the long side, that's probably more kind than not. Yeah. Any final just kind of encouragements to, to all of us, Bruce, just respect to go ahead and, and lament before the Lord? Well, uh, I think if we are doing the lamenting, it is going to always bring us back to the end goal. And that is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Mm. And even then that lamenting, he's the shepherd that I can lean on to work, work me through that lament towards the growth that he's wanting to achieve. And that valley of the shadow of death may be very dark, may be very heavy, but I don't have to fear evil as I walk through that because he is with me. So it's always coming back to that trust relationship that I have with him, that, that, that confidence that he's the one that I can cast my burden on and, and he's going to care for me. And that's what I'm doing when I'm lamenting. I'm yeah. coming to him, looking to him as my good shepherd to share that burden with me and to, to sustain me through that time of heaviness and darkness. And when I do that, then I start to see the light dawning mm. at the end of that valley of the shadow yeah. of death, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely does. That that's Psalm 23 is, is something that I reference often on this particular topic, and, and I'll do it in my usual not-so-sensitive way. Uh, okay, the valley of the shadow of death. What yeah. what do you say to somebody that's afraid of their shadow? You go that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. if you're a believer, death is, is just a shadow. And as shadow. you said earlier, Bruce, uh, pain, suffering, loss, self-inflicted or not, 
uh, loosens our grip on this life. Uh, which should be happening more and more all the time. Bruce, God bless you. Thank you so much. I'll pray with you here in just a second. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.